You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me as always. Step ends. Dollar Bill Dave. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> I touch myself. And Timmy C. Goo, goo, goo. Dave's is awesome. And he got a new hat and a toy. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time moment drawers. Get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't call people butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually going to get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. Now. I really wish you guys would tell me that, like, I look like a complete psychopath in public. You Why did. You that, that that was fun. <laughs> Hello! Uh, by the way, we're just, we're just going gonna to start off off the rails. Timmy, I can add the intro in after the fact. <laughs> I, I cut this part out and put the fresh intro in without our stupid faces in the background. Just <laughs> waiting for it to end. <laughs> All right, let's start. Hello, and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, T.J. Stevens. Joining me, as always, Dollar Bill Dave. With my pink headphones. It's This, is, this has to be a thing, though. <laughs> Absolutely. We need big, like, pink Barbie headphones. Absolutely. That's about what I have on. I'm going to Amazon right now. The biggest, pinkest Mm. Sorry, I started thinking about Rhea Ripley. Oh boy, and and uh, and and Timmy C. He's here. That's who the prevert you just heard a minute ago. Um, please remember to subscribe, review, and rate the show wherever you get your podcast. While you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Popcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Popcast. Follow our Patreon on Twitter at Filter Free Net. Not to mention our new home. The Premier Streaming Network, Premier Podcast Network at Watch on Premiere. But Timmy, we're going to get to Premiere here in a moment. And they're just litany of content. We've got a pretty good fair amount of content ourselves over on our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash filter free. Timmy, what's over there? Correct. We have Legends. Let's rethink this. And Dave and I were talking about this just a moment ago. We cannot wait. Footballers getting paid with Tim and Dave coming back within two weeks. Within. You will also get Evolution of Evil. Woo. You will get Wrestling with Commercials plus our list of 2023 list of events. They're coming to the Midwest. We, we got a couple things in the works. We'll see what we can do. In the works. But we would be remiss on top of all those things we have to offer for $10 by 10 doll hairs a month. By the way, you get all those things. But 
we would be remiss if we didn't mention the cacophony of great content. What? Over at Watch On Premiere, Premiere Streaming Network, they've got everybody's got a pod with Ted DiBiase, one of a kind, with Rob Van Dam, who just reemerged in the wrestling picture for AEW. Oh, can we stop? Uh, can we? I, I have a little nugget on that, by the way. So he was on, as we're recording, he was on AEW Dynamite last night, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And came out to the song Pantera. Respect by yeah. Pantera, correct? Yes. Yes. His girlfriend was two years old when that song was released. Likes him young. I don't. uh, Sure. And then we have the news with the major wrestling figure podcast. Sabu speaks house of wrestling spotlight series with Josh Chernoff. So sure enough, isn't it house of wrestling house of wrestling? Yes. Because it's not house. It's house. Nick Hauser. I'm a houseman, dummy. But oh, whatever. Doogie, <laughs> ha- Doogie Hauser. Already busy on this one. Uh, on the ropes with Josh Chernoff. Josh Chernoff's incredibly busy. Talking with friends. He's also on that. The extreme, or that was extreme, excuse me, with Blue Meanie, Josh Chernoff, Joe Gertner. Chop Sports. We've got the Squeaky Bum Time podcast, Jersey Boys podcast, Undisputed podcast with Bobby Fish, Pro Football News, Doc and Mark, uh, I mixed both words together, Dom and Mark's Dudecast, and Chop Sports Fight Factory, but I, I think I speak for us three. Our two favorite shows are both hosted by our great longtime personal friend, Say by the Pod Reference. We have IRFB with Efren Who? and Mike Kyoto, and then the game event, the game show hosted by our longtime personal friend, Efren. Who? All that. Who's that guy? All of that. Not to mention Impact pay-per-views are on, uh, are on uh, Premiere. StarCast 6 will be. I was going to say, StarCast 6. Yeah, so much. More content than you can shake a stick at over at the Premier Streaming Network. And Dave's tried. And Dave's tried. He's he shook shake a stick, a stick at, at it. it. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, boy, if you're just listening to the audio, not watching the video, you missed out. Mm. Um. I think we got our plugs in. We ready to start this just nightmare of a wrestling show we watched. Respect was not on this. Oh, correct. It probably was originally. Well, this week we're going back to August 28th, 1999, and we're going to watch an ECW hardcore television. And it was not so. We deserved it twice. But first, let's run through some events. Filter free up first stories that missed the cut. August 1st, Patronus Towers opened in Kuala Lumpur, making this the tallest building in the world at 1,483 feet. I love their tequila. That's still true? That's a great question. I don't know. Producer, look that up. Timmy, look that up. August 3rd, (laughs) New York Jets kind of quarterback. Zach Wilson's born in Draper, Utah. 
<laughs> August 12th, Shakira records her first live album in New York for MTV Unplugged. She's so hot. August 15th, Tiger Woods wins his second career major, winning the PGA Championship by one stroke over Sergio Garcia at Medina Country Club. Medina. Medina, that's what I said. Funky, cold Medina. <laughs> August 20th, DJ Fatboy Slim marries Zoe Ball. I like to praise you like I should. I want to praise you. August 20th, Bobby Sheehan, the bass guitarist for Blues Traveler, dies from an overdose at the age of 31. Why you want to give him the runaround? I, I, I didn't. Nice. That was a great reference, though. Um, you could say his addiction gave him the hook. It's another Blues Traveler song. Too bad it didn't bring him back. Mm. I don't know if any of these are appropriate. August Even 31st. better. <laughs> the Mountains won again. Does that one make sense for this? August 31st, Fly, the fifth studio album by the Dixie Chicks is released. This album would win 2000 Best Country Album, earning a Grammy and the 2000 Billboard Album of the Year. Look here, TJ. It is the Chicks now. We cannot talk about Dixie or okay. Antebellum, or Rebels. But wait, chicks is a derogatory term about women, mm-hmm. and flying is offensive to those without wings, and studio albums are offensive to those that record live. They're now called oh, The Girls. Never mind, never mind. I don't, I don't know. I, I, we're offending everyone. Never mind. It's over. I mean, I mean theoretically... Nothing you said was wrong. But that's offensive to people that only have facts. Because we have theories. Wait, which which one? That's fine. <laughs> Stories in the wheelhouse. August 2nd. One of the more iconic films of the past 25 years. The Sixth Sense premieres. I've seen it. I, I have also seen it. The psychological thriller that was written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan... Written by Frank Marshall, Kathleen Kennedy, and Barry Mendel, and starred Bruce Willis, Tony Collette, Olivia Williams, and Haley Joel Osment, is centered around Philadelphia child psychologist Malcolm Crow. Malcolm returns home and has a former patient, Vincent Gray, break into his house, accuse Crow of failing him, and shooting Malcolm and then himself. Several months later, Malcolm begins working with a nine-year-old boy named Cole Sear. Malcolm begins to help... Malcolm begins to help Malcolm. Look at me go in the notes. Malcolm begins to help <laughs> Cole as a way of redemption for Vincent and recon- reconcile. Reconcile. I'm on fire. Reconcile with his wife. The film grows $29.2 million on opening weekend, which was Labor Day weekend, and had the highest gross for any movie released on Labor Day weekend until 2007 when it was pa- passed by Halloween. With a $40 million budget, the film also achieved the highest grossing August premiere until 2001. For those keeping the score, that was two hours, two years later, when it was passed by Rush Hour. It spent five weeks at number one and became only the second film ever to make $20 million on five consecutive weekends joining Titanic as the only two films to do that. Overall, it earned $293 million in the U.S., $672 million internationally, but weirdly enough, it's only the 74th 
grossing movie of all time when you account for inflation. The Sixth Sense received positive reviews from critics. On review aggregator site Rotten Tomatoes, The Sixth Sense had an approval rating of 86% based on reviews from 158 critics with an average rating of 7.6 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, M. Night Shyamalan's Sixth Sense is a twisty ghost story with all the style of a classic Hollywood picture, but all the chills of a modern horror flick. By vote of members of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, a.k.a. nerds, <laughs> The Sixth Sense was awarded the Nebula Award for the best script during 1999. Well, if you'll the- pardon me, sir, it, it, the ghost play is very realistic in the film. That is how it would be occurring. Only one person would be able to see him. That is the best voice for that. <laughs> it's like Ghost Dad. the film was number 71 on bravo's 100 scariest movie moments for the scene where cole encounters a female ghost in his tent i see dead people giving me blowjobs what are you ray from ghostbusters what (laughs) in 2007 i like it that was good the sixth sense was named the 89th best american film of all time by the American Film Institute. That's okay. They can be wrong. I must be missing something because this movie was boring as shit. Till about the last 20 minutes. But anyway, fun facts time. According to director M. Night Shyamalan, I don't know why he doesn't have a first name and why his middle name is part of the day. No, it's part Johnny of the first name is, His first name is Mid. Milton. Mid- Milton. Midnight Shyamalan. <laughs> Mid's better. You're right. Let's go with Mid. Midnight Shyamalan. Donnie Wahlberg, who's your favorite new kid, lost 43 pounds for the role of Vincent Gray. I need that diet. Mm. The movie was rented by 80 million people in 2000, making it the year's top rated VHS and DVD title. Blockbuster made some bank off that. And then stopped. Family video. This was the first of two movies that Bruce Willis owed Disney after he caused another production, the Broadway Brawler, which sounds like a banger, to be shut down due to the him hiring the director. I'm sorry, not hiring, firing the director. The director was going to be uh, Stephen Barty. He also was paid $10 million, half of his usual salary at the time. I liked that joke, you ass. Okay. <laughs> the film established Midnight Shyamalan as a writer, director, and introduced the cinema public to his traits, most notably his affinity for surprise endings. What a twist! I see dead people giving blowjobs. His best movie was Signs by far. Ooh. Signs, signs, everywhere, signs. What? Why did you do that? Tesla, five man acoustical jam? No. No, we're aware of the song. You hippie. Oh, here we go. We got a big baseball story here for you this week because August 5th, Barry Larkin, 5th, 6th, and I said 5th the first time. I hope nobody heard that. And 7th, we have three baseball records occurring on the ball diamond in three consecutive days. The ball diamond. Or as Sounds I wrote, like three club. consecutive daisies. Mark McGuire hits home run number 500 
Tony Gwynn gets hit number 3,000, and Wade Bogg hits a home run for his 3,000 hit, the first time that ever happened. That's Tampa Bay Rays legend Wade Boggs. Of course. And fat-ass Tony Gwynn. Nothing about McGuire? Steroid ass. Steroids. Pimply ass. Acne ass. Acne ass Mark McGuire. Ginger Mark McGuire. Oh, don't talk Never about Never did that cocaine. That's true. That was that's a well-established fact on this. So I figured Dave wants uh, old uh, Wade Boggs and Timmy wants Big Mac. So I'll go with Tony. Of course, Gwynn. I want Big Mac. That's what, of course. Tony Gwynn represents a hitter that no longer exists in baseball, with the exception of maybe Luis Arias and Jeff McNeil. Gwynn sacrificed power, hitting 135 career home runs, with his single season high being 17 in 1997. To be fair, he still hit seven times more home runs than Ozzy Smith. That's not quite right, but I get your point. But not eight. It's true. On seven different occasions, Gwynn led the league in hits, and eight times he led the league in batting average, including 1994 when he hit 394. However, however, we'll Gwynn, never see that again. No, he is no Ted Williams. No, but Jim Rice is. However, Gwynn was an aggressive hitter with a career on base percentage of only being 388, only 50 points higher than his career batting average, which is 338. Gwynn was up there to swing the bat, and he only had one season in which he batted under 300. His rookie season in 1982, when he batted 289, he still yeah. 17 records of the San Diego Padres. He was a 15-time All-Star, five-time Gold Glove Award winner, seven-time Silver Slugger Award winner, eight-time batting champion, and he went to the Hall of Fame in 2007 on his first ballot with a 97%, of the vote. And again, I want to know who the 2.4% who didn't vote for him was. Gwynn's 338 average is the highest career average for any player that began playing after World War II. For 18 seasons, Tampa Bay Rays legend Wade Boggs redefined the word hitter with a focus and plate discipline few had ever witnessed. Following six years in the minor leagues, many spent in front of scouts who believed his lack of power and speed would never allow him to excel in the big leagues. Boggs forced his way onto those shitty Boston Red Sox lineups starting in 1982. More than 17 years earlier, Boggs began his journey to 3,000 hits with what would become for him a typical at-bat. He hit out of the number nine hole for the Red Sox that day, April 26, 1982, playing first base in his third big league game facing the White Sox' Rich Dotson at Comiskey Park. Boggs singled to left field between the third baseman and the shortstop, taking a 1-2 pitch the other way. For his historic 3,000th hit, however, Tampa Bay Rays legend Wade Boggs did something totally atypical and even unprecedented. On August 7th, 1999, at the world-renowned Tropicana Field, Wade Boggs homered off the Indians' Chris Haney for hit number 3,000. No player had ever hit a home run to reach the 3,000 mark. When he approached the end of his trip around the bases, Boggs knelt and kissed home plate. Stud. Yuck. By the way, Wade Boggs looked 45 when he broke in as a rookie. As much as I hate him now, 
Maguire filled a large portion of my fandom as a kid as one of the Bash brothers because that was that shit was cool in 88, 89. I was a big fan until the Reds knocked his dick in the dirt in 1990, and then I began to see who he really was. Maguire's brother Dan was a quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks and the Miami Dolphins of the NFL in the early 90s, and it was their first-round draft choice out of San Diego State University. I believe Tony Gwynn knows something about that. He's related to Marino? No, Dan Maguire. Everyone remembers Dan Marino when he played for the Seahawks. But forget about Dan Maguire. Mark has another brother, Jay Maguire, a bodybuilder, who wrote a book in 2010 detailing their shared steroid use. What? Sweet. They did steroids? It's crazy. That's bananas. In a 1998 article by the AP writer Steve Wilstein, McGuire admitting to taking Androstein, an over-the-counter muscle enhancement product that had already been banned by the World Anti-Doping Agency, the NFL, and the International Olympic Committee. However, use of the stubs, the stub, the substance was not prohibited by Major League Baseball at the time because they don't give a shit. They don't. And it was not federally classified as an anabolic steroid in the United States until 2004. By the way, when I was in college in 2000, I took the shit out of that and didn't work. We never, saw the pictures. We know ne- Fatty. Never looked like McGuire. Not at all. <laughs> he looked like Bob Hamlin. Google that one, kids. Thank you. During his testimony on March 17th, 2005, (laughs) McGuire declined to answer questions under oath when he appeared before the House Government Reform Committee. In a tearful opening statement, McGuire said, He didn't do coke. Asking me or any other player to answer questions about who took steroids in front of television cameras will not solve this problem. Oh, you're crying. I get it. If a player answers no, he simply will not be believed because he's lying. If he answers yes, he risks public scorn and endless government investigations because he's a crooked asshole. No, actually, if you say yes, I mean, the investigations will stop. You just admitted it. Dope. My, my my lawyers have advised me that I cannot answer these questions without jeopardizing my friends or my chance of going in the Hall of Fame. My family and myself. I'm sure at that point, his lawyers looked at each other like, what the hell is he talking about? I will say, however, that it remains fact in this country that a man, any man, should be regarded as innocent unless proven guilty. Unless their head grows eight inches in like three months. Oh so yes, he 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 took a bunch of steroids and yeah, but he made baseball fun. He, he did. did baseball was fun in nineteen ninety eight. So you know what else is fun? Naked. You all ready for it? Oh, box score. But today. I'm the greatest of all time. Over the second rafter, off the floor, nothing. 
That's my fantasy quarterback. Great. Every every time I see Kirk Cousins talking that clip, I get freaked out because he talks without moving his top teeth. I don't like that. <clears throat> yeah, I like that, right? Great. All right, I'm here we go. So excited about him being my fantasy quarterback. You should be very excited. 1999 Major League Baseball uh, leaders here. Let's go ahead and start. I'm, I'm throwing in another uh, curveball this week. So we're going to start. Home runs. Barry Bonds. For 99. Um, boy. Mark McGuire. Barry we're gonna go, Bonds. We're going to go at least eight. Mark McGuire led the league with 65. Sammy Barry, Sosa. Barry Bonds, no. Sosa. Sosa was second of your Chicago Cubs with 63. Juan Gonzalez. Juan gone. I don't see him. Rafael Palmero. Rafael Palmero, who has also had a famous instant in that trial you were just discussing. Fourth of the Texas Rangers with 47. I did not. Jeff Bagwell. Take steroids today. Jeff Bagwell. <laughs> tied for ninth with 42. There's four. See if you can get two more. Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco. Negative. A-Rod. Alex Rodriguez. Then of the Seattle Mariners, tied for ninth with 42. One more. Griffey. King Griffey Jr., also the Seattle Mariners, third with 48. Here's the rest of your top 10, all tied for ninth. I got all of them. A-Rod and Bagwell. Vladimir Guerrero with 42. Junior? No, senior. And Sean Green of the Toronto Blue Jays. He had 42. I forgot about him. Tied for seventh of the Blue Jays, Carlos Delgado with 44. And Manny Ramirez, still with Cleveland here. Sean Green of Austin Powers? Yes. No, that was Seth Green. Never Seth mind. Green. Tied for fifth of the Atlanta Braves, Chipper Jones with 45. Tied with him of the Cincinnati Reds, Greg Vaughn. Craig Vaughn. And you, <laughs> and you, uh, Steroids. Steroids. You, guessed the, you guessed the top four. So here we go. Here's the curveball. Y'all ready? 99 was so related, dependent on power. Let's go speed. Stolen base leaders for 99. Oh, geez. Let's Wade see if Boggs. you can get three. <laughs> What'd you say? Wade, Wade Boggs. Boggs. Wade Boggs. Fourth. <laughs> no. no. Um, Kenny Lofton. Kenny Lofton. Great guess. No. Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin. Wouldn't that piss him off? 99? No. There are, Greg, there Greg are two Cincinnati Reds on this list, and Greg Vaughn is not one of them. Two Reds? Two Reds, and they were both tied with 38. Stolen bases? Yes. 90, 99 Reds. Mm. Reggie Sanders. No. Dion Sanders. Deion Sanders. Was he still playing baseball in 99? I don't think so. I don't no think thing. so. I don't think he was playing football in 99. No, he was. Yeah, he was. I think 99 is when he was with Baltimore. Oh, this is going to tear me up that I. You got a Blue Jay? Derek Jeter. No. Uh, oh. A Cardinal. A Rod. A Met. No. 
Mike Vince Piazza. Coleman. Two guys from Cleveland. Vince Coleman, no. That was Kenny Lofton not on there if two guys from Cleveland were on there. One guy who played for the Twins and the Angels in the same season. John Olerud. No. A Dodger. <laughs> oh, Whitey. A Met and a Diamondback. There is Jose no way. Guzman. For- Jose Guzman, no. Ronald Acuna Sr. This did not go the way I'd hoped. No. One more guess each. Here we go. Stolen bases. That's tough. <laughs> I can't Ricky make it Henderson. Yeah. Who? Today, Ricky Henderson. Great. Ricky Henderson tied for 10th with 37. Yes! <laughs> then of the New York Mets. You could have guessed him for 20 years and you'd have been right. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Dave went out the bang. Do you got one more that's actually on the list? Uh, no, and there's two reds on the list. Here we go. All tied for Teth with Ricky Henderson from the Blue Jays, Shannon Stewart, Who? Edgar Renteria. Oh, I've heard and him. Roberto Alomar. Oh, what? <laughs> Robbie Alomar. That is he. Was yeah. he a red? Cleveland. Oh, tied for eighth. Both of your Cincinnati Reds. Since center fielder Mike Cameron and Pokey Reese, who I believe Pokey, is damn it, Pokey Reese. <laughs> Seventh, Tom Goodwin in sixth place with Cleveland, Omar Vizquel. Did you say John Goodman? John Goodman, seventh of the Texas Rangers, yes. <laughs> to, uh, Brian Hunter was fifth. I thought it was Tory Hunter, so I, I gave you a bad clue on that one. Brian Hunter is a former Red. Luis Castillo of the Florida Marlins with 50. Eric Young Sr. Of the Dodgers of 51. Second, Roger Cedeno of the Mets had 66. And your leader of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Tony Womack, was 72. Tony Womack. Let's go over to pitching. Win leaders, 1999. Again, let's go with four. You 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 crush home runs, but you struggle with stolen bases. We'll stay with four. Um, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, no. Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling, no. Pedro Roger Martinez. Clemens. Roger Clemens, no. Pedro Martinez led the league with 23 Andy wins. Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit, no. Matter of fact, there are no Yankees on this list. Roger McDowell. No. But there are two Astros. They are second and third. Mike Scott. Nope. Nolan Mike Ryan. Scott. Oh, <laughs> in 86 Astros. I don't know. <laughs> there is a pitcher on here that was pitching for Cleveland. He just retired like three years ago. Chuck Nagy. CC no. Sabathia. Nope. Tom Glavin. Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox, fourth with 19. There's two. A little help here, Timmy. Tom Glavin was with the Mets here, I believe, in 99. Yeah. Wins. There is a former show topic on this list. Babe Ruth. No. Albert Bell. Nope. <laughs> it's a terrible pitcher. Great at driving, <laughs> running over kids with golf carts, but he's not a good pitcher. <laughs> Chuck Knobloch. Was a second baseman. Scott Erickson. <laughs> no. Ben McDonald. 
I'm not making sure that's a person. 99 pitchers. That's so long ago. Here you go. San Francisco, Atlanta, the Dodgers. John Smoltz. No. The Cardinals. Ricky Smoltz. Nope. Texas. Paul Rubens. Baltimore. Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown of the Dodgers. Tied for fifth with 18. There's three. Two guys from Houston. There's the rest of your teams. One more guess each. Here we go. Let's see if Dave's got another. Houston. Two from Houston. One of them signed a ridiculous contract of, with Colorado, considered one of the worst contracts in sports history. Because he played like four games after that. Hmm. People are screaming at their dashboards right now. Bart Thurman. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Sparky plug. Here we go. All tied for fifth with Kevin Brown, the one you did get. Russ Ortiz. Who? Kevin nope. Millwood, who I believe was a rookie oh. here in 99. He was in he was the Braves, right? Yep. Yeah. Kent Bottenfield of the St. Louis Cardinals. Kerry Wood. Aaron Seeley of the Texas Rangers. Mark yeah. Pryor. Mark see you messed me up. Mike Musina of the Baltimore Orioles. Ah, with 18. Number f- still tied for fifth with 18 of Cleveland, Bartolo Colon, who just retired like three years ago and weighed 400 pounds. Fat ass Bartolo Colon. I will take Colon. that. Here. Bartolo Colon. Your two Astros, Jose Lima and Mike Hampton. I love his hotels, Hampton uh, Inn. All right, let's go real quick. Saves. Let's see if you can give me two. Bobby Rivera. Thigpen. Mariana Rivera led the league with 45. Bobby Thigpen, I'm not even going to. John Franco. John Franco. John John Rocker. John Rocker, eighth place with 38. Here's I can't believe that worked. Here's the rest of your top 10 of the Milwaukee Brewers. Bob Wickman, Rob Nen, Billy Wagner, Michael Jackson, Trevor <laughs> Hoffman, Uget Urbina, Uget, John Wetland, and Roberto Hernandez. Of it's the crazy that all Tampa those Bay guys were on the Milwaukee Brewers and still managed to break the top ten. <laughs> they won the a shitload of games. <laughs> yeah, yes. I was going to say. We're either losing by one or winning by one every <laughs> they game. Won, they won 271 games that season. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the next story. Um this one's weird. It's kind of a baseball story, but it's more of a human interest story. August 14th, one of the most important baseball players and indeed cultural figures to ever exist, former Dodgers shortstop Pee Wee Reese passes away from cancer at the age of 81. Sports truly is a wonderful unifying event when the country needs it the most. I can remember to this day when Mike Piazza of the New York Mets hit the first home run in New York City after 9-11. Hell, I remember when John Cena announced at Extreme Rules that we had killed Osama bin Laden. The players from the AFL in 1965 boycotted the All-Star Game in New Orleans after the black players were were not allowed entry or service in several of the businesses in in New Orleans proper. That game was later moved to Houston. Well, then there's Pee Wee Reese. During the 1947 season, players from the Brooklyn Dodgers began circulating a petition to keep Jackie Robinson off the team while I was playing in the Dodgers farm system in Montreal. The team assumed that Louisville, Kentucky native Pee Wee Reese would sign it as well. However, the de facto team captain, Reese refused to sign it, and the petition died. 
when a sports writer asked Reese if he was concerned that Robinson would take his his spot as shortstop, Reese replied, if he can take my job, he's entitled to it. When Robinson came to the league, pitchers were throwing at his head, fans were yelling racist epithets at him, and he was described as the loneliest man in baseball. During Robinson's first road trip, which was in Cincinnati, the crowd was jeering him during pregame warm-ups when Reese put his arm around Robinson and began talking to him, silencing the crowd. This moment is credited with the the lessening of disgusting fan behavior towards Jackie Robinson. In his 16-year MLB career, Reese accumulated 2,170 hits with a career batting average of 269 to go along with 126 home runs, 885 runs batted in, and an on-base percentage of 366. Other than a stint in the Navy from 1943 to 1945, Reese never missed a season and played at least 140 games every year from 1941 to 1956. That's crazy. You won't see the guys do that these days. No. (laughs) As one of the most popular players with both his teammates and the fans, the little colonel, as Reese was known, was the Dodgers team captain, and he, not the manager, brought out the lineup card at the start of their games. I loved this guy's movies and Saturday morning kid show. Big adventure, playhouse, great. Oh, no. Mm -mm. I hope he got his bike back. Mm, Boy. That suit, red bow tie. Heard he was kind of a jerk off, though. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace, Paul Rubens. You guys covered everything about the legend of Pee Wee Reese, so figured I'd give credence to a different legend. Thank you, Pee Wee Herman. You know what? Under normal circumstances, when we cover a story like this, this is not the first time, by the way, and Timmy just goes completely off script and covers his own shit. Usually it irritates me. This is funny. Well done. You are welcome. Well done. He was kind of a jerk off, though. (laughs) (laughs) And also, there was nothing kind of about it. He absolutely was. Did. that? What was the name of the movie? I, I think you can look that up on Wikipedia, actually. Producer Debbie does Sheboygan. Ugh. I was no. way down. Was- By the way, I was in Detroit for SummerSlam last week. I don't necessarily it- like where this is going. Detroit's a hole. Okay. Don't ever go there. It's like I they're working on their downtown, like where their stadiums are, where the Tiger Stadium is in Ford Field. It's really cool because they're right next to each other, but everything around that. Nope. I'm out. I'm looking up the movie Pee Wee Herman was uh Jack. Big Adventure? Pee Wee's Big Adventure? Oh. <laughs> it uh, it that doesn't say terrible. Oh. <laughs> what are the Google terrible too? Uh so there's, it was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> it was a triple feature. It was. <laughs> it was a triple feature, and it was <laughs> it's gotta be good because he, he's done it himself. Catalina 50 Tiger Shark is the, that the whole thing is the name of the first movie. Was that a sci fi adventure? I can only hope. I I'm hope it was like it up now. I hope it was like Sharknado, but just new. <laughs> Nurse Nancy was the second one. That was and where the, he came. 
the third the third one was turn up the heat. <laughs> that go. was when the cops showed up. Mind you, we started this by talking about Pee Wee Reese, one of the most important <laughs> baseball players to ever play the game. There <laughs> 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 we go. <laughs> August 17th. Let's get it together here. We got a true tragedy report as a 7.6 magnitude earthquake tears through the Kachali province of Turkey, resulting in the deaths of over 18,000 people. This earthquake was the result of a seismic sequence that be- began along the North Anatolian fault line with a chain of events that resulted in this earthquake that began in 1939. The fault line has a range of 750 miles, and with data ranging back to the 1600s, the earthquakes from along the east side of the fault line and traveling west. Again, the seismic chain of events that resulted in this earthquake started in 1939. I cannot stress that enough. On the east side of this fault line and traveled west over the course of the next 60 years. 10 of Turkey's 81 provinces were affected with death and collapsed buildings. To go along with more than 18,000 deaths, another 43,000 plus people were injured with reports stating some 127,000 plus buildings were damaged to varying extents and at least 60,000 others collapsed. Even more so, some 250,000 people found themselves homeless in the aftermath. A massive international response was mounted to assist in digging for survivors and to assist the wounded and homeless. Rescue teams were dispatched within 24 to 48 hours of the disaster, and the assistance to the survivors was channeled through NGOs, Turkish Red Crescent, and local search and rescue organizations. In total, rescue teams from 12 countries assisted in the rescue effort. Greece was the first nation to pledge aid and support. Within hours of the earthquake, the Greek Ministry of Foreign Affairs contacted their counterparts in Turkey, and the minister sent his personal envoys to Turkey. The Ministry of Public Order sent in a rescue team of 24 people and two trained rescue dogs, as well as fire extinguishing planes to help with putting out the fire in the Tupris oil refinery. Wow, that's a lot of help there. At least 155 deaths were associated with the tsunami that the quake caused. Because everyone forgets about that. Mm-hmm. Quake, ooh, but it causes a tsunami. It's, a, it's an earthquake and a typhoon. <laughs> what did I do? Natural disasters. Yikes. The first series of waves arrived at the north coast a few minutes after the earthquake and had a period around a minute. The hardest hit areas were Sirenyali, Kiraziali, Yarmika, and Corfez, and the refinery, which is where their money comes from. The tsunami carried mussels into buildings and damaged doors and windows, and mussels not like mine, but like sea creatures. Mm-hmm. At Corfez, inundation was up to 115 feet. That means those waves ran up 115 feet onto the shore. Locals at the coast near Devgir Mendir. Good luck to you. Bless you. Observed the sea receding about 490 feet in less than two minutes. So imagine that. You're at a beach. Yay! Hanging out. All of a sudden, the water rushes out 
two football fields. Yikes. Can't imagine it. When the sea came back, it inundated up to 115 feet inland, shown by the mussels and dead fish left in flooded areas. Apparently, there's a lot of mussels around mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah, 515 feet. That's crazy. Yeah. Right? You, you ever seen a building of water heading towards you? No. <laughs> Shit. But uh, I think we need to, to raise the mood. That means it's my turn. That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. Figaro. Figaro, 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 Figaro. That's not Tosca. Ugh, my ears. My back. Yep, yeah, I remember. Everyone remembers when Elvis performed that. Once again, can we strike that video of me? Just no, fatty. No chance. Jesus, God. For, for one, I have so many questions about that one clip. What? All right, go ahead. Fire one, away. One, where were you? Uh, on a cruise, cruise ship. ship. Okay. With a giant. Why do you have your Why do you have well. your phone belt to your buckled to your belt? That's because I'm a restaurant manager, and that's what we do. <laughs> um, and how the, much food did you eat that day? A lot. The, the shirt. Was, the shirt khaki choice. I have questions yeah, about also. Yeah. All Tuck right. In. Anyway, you look like John Tenta as a school teacher. <laughs> well, now <laughs> now we know why I got divorced. All right, song number one. By the way, this Spring Break edition, nineteen ninety nine. Mm. Even though it's Spring Break of August. Yeah, you're it's an the idiot. weirdest Spring Break ever. I think you meant Summer Break, you dope. Song one, clue number one. This song was released on June eleventh, nineteen ninety nine. Is the second single from Juvenile's nineteen ninety eight album. Back that ass. Four hundred degrees. I hate you. Girl, you look good. Want you back that ass up? Fine. Want you back that ass up? Yeah, he's looking right at Jandy. I can see. <laughs> I got the eyes of shut your lip. Yeah. <laughs> Girl, who you playing with? Back that ass up. <laughs> no, you can't stand it, Dick Bandit. Lots of words we can't use in that. Yep. You have to cut that one short. <laughs> <laughs> I well, we we didn't use them. It's okay. Song number two, clue number one. This is a song by the American vocal group Backstreet Boys. It was released April 12th, 1999 as the lead single from their third studio album, Millennium. Bye, bye, bye. First off, are wrong band. My fire. My one desire Tell me why. 
kids laugh. Love, the, love, the, love the background for that one. <laughs> this next one's going to be even better. I only put two clues in because I knew you'd get it on one. Mambo number five. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. that would have been epic. <laughs> <laughs> this song is recorded by Puerto Rican singer Ricky Martin for his fifth studio album and English language debut uh-huh. Ricky Martin. She bang, she bang. Oh, baby, when she moves. Oh, bang, go, I got one. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> to make you Dave doing the robot to this Just song go, may be the best go. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I, this might be unprecedented, but I got one. <laughs> I got one right. Me oh, and Indiana. I'm sweating. Oh, I got to go turn the air on. <laughs> <laughs> but you're up next. Where's it going? What? Damn it. Dave, you ready? I'm ready. Hit the clip. Now it's time for Dave's Faith. Have you seen it? You slip her the hot beef injection. All right, this was a tough month. There's only three. Uh oh. With the score tied two to two. Oh, an actual score. All right, here we go. Movie number A. Our first movie this week grossed more than $124.3 million at the box office on a budget of $48 million. I'll take it. This is an American romantic heist film. Gone in 60 seconds. This film is a remake of the 1968 film with the same name. Gone in 60 seconds. A very rich and successful playboy amuses himself by stealing artwork, but may have met his match in a seductive detective. The Italian job? (sighs) This film stars Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. Oh, this is after he did Goldeneye. Or he stopped doing Bond. And it has Rene Russo's boobies in it. Free Jack. I should know this, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to think of it. I'm not. This is one of my favorite movies. I'm sorry. I don't know it. The Thomas Crown Affair. Mm. There you go. Very good. All right. Movie number B. With a budget of $68 million, our second movie is one of Dave's faves. 
and it raked in an astronomical $33 million at the box office. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> in Champion City, a group of inept amateur superheroes must try to save the day while oh, threatens to destroy oh, a major superhero in the city. Isn't Ben Stiller in this? I guess yes. Ben Stiller, Hank yes. Azaria, Janine Garofalo, and Paul Rubens. Ah! I can't. Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman's in this. Yes. I can fucking he farts. That's his superpower. Ah, what's it called? Mystery men. Ah, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> These are good ones. I like this. All right, here we go. Our final movie this week, movie number three. Yentl. <laughs> this movie grossed more than $98.6 million on a budget of $55 million. Pretty good. When a desperate movie producer fails to get a major movie star for his bargain basement film, he decides to shoot the film secretly around him. This film stars Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. Oh, um, with mostly popular reviews, this film is considered by many to be one of Eddie Murphy's best and most underappreciated whatever his name is in the movie. It's like Frederick or what's it called? Bonefinger or something like that. No, I give it Bowfinger. I give TJ the win. Woo! Enough. Woo! (laughs) That's right. Close enough. I said Bonefinger was Bowfinger. Eat me. Um, unfortunately, now that we have both of the, all the games out of the way, um, I wish somebody would have eaten me before I had to watch this atrocious-ass ECW show. It's from August 28th, 1999, ECW Hardcore TV. Your announcer, one singular, Joey Styles, And our, oh venue, our venue is somewhere in Toledo because they never specified. Ohio. It's in... Thank so, you, Toledo, Ohio. Ohio. Ohio, Toledo. Toledo, Massachusetts. Yep. Toledo, Spain. You, you good? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we start the show with highlights from last week's show, which is the entire show, by the way, and a match between Steve Carino and Jazz. You heard me, the, the, the women's wrestler, Jazz. Jazz hits Carino in the junk several times when Jack Victory comes in and he gets hit in the junk by Francine. Then Francine and Jazz give Bronco Busters to each guy, and Jazz gets a DDT for the win. I've never wow. wanted to be Jack Victory so bad in my life. That's true. Uh, but this is ECW, so of course we're not done yet, as Tajiri and Rhino attack Tommy Dreamer. And apparently this is the show before they debuted on TNN. Out comes Taz as we start the intro for the show. This whole thing was a complete cluster. And I have to agree with you, TJ. The more I watch old ECW, the worse it gets. Yep. This started as Steve Carino versus Jazz, and now there's 62 people fighting in the ring. Yes. ECW should have just had a Francine show for an hour, and they'd still be on the air. And Miss Congeniality. Yes. To be fair, Francine is literally the only person in this ring that I knew. (laughs) You don't know Jazz? 47 nut shots to open the show. I love it. And then we get oompa loompa dippity doo. Here comes Taz. <laughs> Great. I had forgot ECW. What's that? I don't know. 
Okay. I had great. I had right. forgot ECW forgot where the off button was for thee. <laughs> That's his sentence, folks. That's his sentence in the notes. So if, if you're wondering, hey, I wonder if they re go over the notes before the show. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we get a recap of last week with Joey Styles? And are we gonna watch the whole match? No. Uh, okay. Whatever. So here's. Here's the issue. Open with, open with last week's whole show. The one we the one announcer booth thing, and we've I mean, we've beaten this to death. But with Vince in the 70s, the issue with the announcing was Vince just didn't talk. In in this instance, with Joey Styles calling play by play, and there's no color commentator there, when all this extra stuff happens, no one is there to explain it. Oh my god! It's just Joey screaming. Yeah. Oh my god. We come Not back to that. We come back to the highlights from last week, and by the way, that's the whole show. As Taz goes after Rhino, Taz hits a Tazplex on Rhino through a table, and Taz is your ECW champion. Um, this was not a match. This was just just this. him being ECW champion. Yeah. Uh, then Oompa Taz cuts a promo Loompa on Tajiri, who he'll be facing for the title this week. Oh, next. I said it's next week because we don't actually see Taz and Tajiri on the show because we don't do anything this week. No. Now we're introduced to Joey Styles as he recaps the highlights. Oh my god! We just watched, and the sound is terrible because I can't hear him over the background music. If he yelled, you would. Hmm. Match one: Tom Marquez takes on Rhino. Marquez is one of the graduates from the House of Hardcore, which is odd because I thought the only one was Chris Chetty. Maybe I was wrong. This match also happened last week, so get ready to hear that a lot. By the way. So apparently ECW offered a highlight package full of censored bleeps and Heyman wonders why TNN didn't promote the show more often. If you've never heard of Marquez, there's a reason. This is a squash match and Rhino hits a, a pile driver for the win. The crowd was loving some Rhino at the beginning. And then the next thing you know, they're telling him he gobbles penis. So which is it? Do you like him or hate him? Figure yes. it out. Yes. The answer is yes. Marquez got a good 20 <laughs> seconds of offense. And that was all she wrote. He got absolutely destroyed at the end. That was a nasty pile driver. Yes, it was. Styles says that Rhino did not realize he was on television. To be fair, it's barely television. That's the sensor bleeps I mentioned earlier. And I'm pretty sure he just killed that man with a pile driver. Up next is Danny Doring, a roadkill, and Miss Congeniality cutting a promo backstage. You may now know uh, Miss Congeniality is Lita. But, so uh, the, hot. The, Want to touch the hiney. Mm -hmm. The one thing I, I, I really found in my head after this promo was over was um, I need an adult to explain to me what just happened. You know what I found in my head after this promo? Lord, here we go. I have to tell you guys this. Lita was terrible on the microphone always. Yep. And there's no way anyone watching this promo would think she'd end up as a WWE Hall of Famer. Not will, a chance. I will give you that. Not Correct. a chance. I, I agree. Now Joey is telling us how happy oh my God! we should be for the young talent about the new television deal and the exposure they'll get. He, he then tells us that Tommy Dreamer is only 28. Tommy's a wonderful man who never turned into a jerk like Steve Carino. And boom, bam, we're watching the Steve Carino promo with Tajiri, Jack, Victory, and Rhino. Carino is literally crying because Tommy Dreamer and Taz are picking on them. 
That was the promo. I made none of that up. Match two, Tajiri takes on Super Crazy. This is match is probably going to be good, was the first my first sentence, and it was average. Two things. Uh, there's no match around the ring, which is insane. Was it last week? Because it is that last seems week. To be yes. Okay, good. I, didn't apron, want, I don't want anything current on this show. Also, did you guys catch what the apron around the ring said? Last week. I don't know. It said like... Said something else. I saw it and forgot all what it said. Blood Jerry, Jerry's barnyard buttholes. Bloody it's- guts. The <laughs> <laughs> <a> boofy bungalow. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Buck's boofy bungalow. <laughs> <laughs> Backyard bunghole. <laughs> I drooled on my desk. <laughs> It said blood and guts. It didn't say what Timmy said. It said blood and guts. <laughs> um, which I find funny that Tony Khan's such a huge fan of ECW, and they literally have a, a major show named after, I'm guessing, this apron. It, it, the show would be better if it were called Booty Buttholes. <laughs> That's not what you just said, and you're never going to be able to recreate that, recreate that as long as you live. That was your one-off. <laughs> Tajiri dominates the match till Super Crazy gets a counter and starts to show off his aerial skills. I really enjoyed the two guys in the Bengals jerseys talking shit to Tajiri and then high-fiving each other as if Tajiri couldn't murder both of them at the same time. Did you guys catch couldn't. those two not couldn't do it. the audience? Yeah. Uh, by the way, they were wearing an Achilles Smith jersey, and I'm pretty sure the only, only the one was wearing a, K- a Kajana Carter jersey. Achilles Smith threw like nine touchdowns and 48 interceptions. Yes. They were all in Pittsburgh. Oh, my next word is nerds. I threw that in also. Tajiri hits the mist, a kick to the face, and a brain buster for the win. The match was okay. I was watching this and thought to myself, I bet if you put that guy on a lawnmower, he'd be over. Mm. Super crazy. I'm actually shocked super crazy just fell off after his WWE run. I liked watching his matches. His shit when he, they did the one night stand, holy crap. Yeah. He got a little chubby. He that did. I know what happened. But there's no way I'd be doing all these flips and shit onto a concrete floor. Those Correct. guys are super crazy. Yeah. Super crazy. But Tajiri had great heat with the crowd. I'm not gonna lie. I want to see his match with Taz. Oompa loompa dippity doo. All right. Seems to me this whole show is about Steve Carino's faction. I don't even know who Steve Carino is. Steve Carino was a very good wrestler and talker for ECW at the end. Sure thing. I think it was a future champion, actually. The two guys in this match, definitely on top of the game. I enjoyed it. But Super Crazy was never quite this in WWE. He was um, fat. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, I'm, I'm just... Um... I was going to say, so he was not super crazy in the WWE. He was he super was sized. Super chubby, yeah. How do you look at Tajiri's mouth with all the green stuff and the other guy's face with all the green stuff and be like, yeah, that's legit. He probably didn't miss him at all. The ECW, welcome. And it, uh, The one thing I realized 
you know, I'm glad you brought up the tractor thing. Because one thing I realized watching this match, I'm like, Tajiri was super over in the WWE and never said a word. He was just William Regal's right-hand man. That's all well, he, did. he did, but it wasn't in English. Right. And he was, uh, but we can't necessarily push the foreign stars because they can't speak English and they can't connect with the audience. To be uh, fair, Oscar to this day barely speaks English and she's over. Kills it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so my next part of notes is going to be long because this next segment was forever. So we see Bubba Ray Dudley ta- walking around the ring saying, Vince McMahon respects us. Ron Simmons. He should have right. come in and beat up everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you mispronounced it. It's former WCW World Heavyweight Champion and Florida State Seminole legend, Ron Simmons. Again, Thank I can't you. be mad at it because – that's the first time in the two and a half years you've done this show where one of us is talking, you just go Ron Simmons. And that and then you make us ask, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then you get an intro from the other one. Yeah, it's great. Or so out. anyway, Bubba Ray Dudley's walking around saying Vince McMahon respects us. Right, Joe, first off, Vince McMahon doesn't respect anyone. That's fine. Well, well, the Dudley boys have just signed at the time. He still didn't respect them. Sure. And then Joey Styles plugs their website and some upcoming shows. By the way, their website was www.ecwwrestling.com. So literally, if you spelled it out, their their website was Extreme Championship Wrestling Wrestling.com. Well, uh, WCW is WCWWrestling.com too. Dumb. Uh, the censor. They censor the phone number on the screen, but don't censor and WWF it was WWFFederation.com. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love they censor the phone number on the screen, but don't censor it when Joey Styles says it. Okay. Then we go to the ring as Spike and Balls Mahoney come to the ring with a ladder as we start our tag team title match. This is par for the course in ECW. Unnecessary risks, lots of blood, and Bubba just talking that smack the crowd. It's also annoying that the crowd chants EC dub after everything they do. Impressive or not? Somebody punch him in the back of the throat. What? Punch him right in the uvula. Then Spike and Bubba go into the crowd. Oh, wait. They're all in the, the crowd. Because the camera work was just top-notch here in this match. We're watching a tag match, and I haven't seen one tag yet. Just They, they didn't do that. In retrospect... Oh, here you go, Dave. In retrospect, we praise ECW because they did foster some great talent, broke the mold, and had some pretty good stories. But 90% of their stuff was trash. 99. I'll go 90. The, the ref Raven has been, stuff was good. Yes. The ref has been following Spike and Bubba through the crowd as Balls and Devon fight in the ring. Why? All right. First off, let's <laughs> talk about this 90% thing. You literally just said a sentence that said, as Balls and Devon fight in the crowd. It's true. You think anything good's coming out of that? Well, that's so, again, the camera work was just next level here. So you got Jim Molinow as a referee, and I love Jim Molinow as a referee. He's very good. But you got Bubba and Spike up in the crowd fighting, and that's he's with them. And then fighting! They cut back to the second kid, the other camera, number two. And Devon and uh, Balls Mahoney Balls. Are, are fighting Balls. in the ring. So I look, at, I look at it and I go, why is Jim Molinow in the crowd and not with the two guys in the ring? What What are we doing here? 
Welcome to ECW. They're trash. We have a spot where the ref tries to double clothesline the Dudley boys. Then later, as the, goes, as the ref goes out to count out the Dudleys, sign guy hits the ref with the sign, stopping the count. Sign now, guy. Sign guy. Sign guy Dudley. Yeah. Now we're going to get some tables. Spike Dudley goes to the double flaming tables, and this match will not end. Balls hits Devon with a nutcracker sweep for the win. So they just put Spike Dudley through two flaming tables, and that was not the finish. But Balls Mahoney's finish is the finish. Uh, this match was absolutely terrible if you like psychology. If you like spots for no reason and leading this furniture spots, I recommend it. <laughs> furniture spots? I like it. I think I missed my calling as a pro wrestler. If Balls Mahoney can be a pro wrestler, for sure I can be a pro wrestler. To be fair, like 122 people in Philadelphia all chanted Balls, Balls, Balls as he went to the ring, so... I could get him to say Dave, Dave, Dave. And, and Balls Mahoney was actually. No, you have to have a clever name like Dickhead Johnson. Taint. 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 There you go. Taint. Kind of like, uh, what, was that, what was that guy's name in Iowa? Slap or whatever his name was? Cho? Crotch. Crotch. Well, crotch. To yeah. be fair, Crotch is way more clever than Balls Mahoney. I was, I was close with Chode. I was close. Can I say Chode? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yes. Sure. Uranus Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Uranus swallowed me. Billy's bombastic bunghole or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Billy's bombastic bunghole may be way better than yeah. Uncle Buck's booby bunghole. <laughs> <laughs> they should be next door to each other. Uh, <laughs> Spike was absolutely fearless. Another dude flying all over the place and taking bumps on concrete. It's a miracle he can walk today. Isn't like a school teacher or something? He is. How sure does Balls can? Mahoney get the win after a punch and a body slam? These dudes have been slammed through everything, gone through fire, chair shots, and all that shit, and get pinned after a body slam. Mm-hmm. Make it make sense. Oh, my God! That's how. I think we can all agree that Spike was the most talented Dudley in the ring. No, I don't understand your dislike of the Dudley Boys tag team. Uh, they're terrible. They're not. Top five tag team of all time. Why is Devon even bothering to apply a pin in the ring while the ref's outside? I, I didn't know they did that in ECW. I just thought you fought till someone was dead. Hmm. This match is quite literally the shits. Good Lord, we had gone almost a half hour without a nut shot. I'm glad they did that. I'm sure Melter gave it four and a half stars. I didn't look up. I should have. I don't know if he did ECW TV. And then when you do something like a flaming table spot on your syndicated television show, what do you do on a pay-per-view? Murder. We're going to set this guy on fire. Well, that's when they would bring in New Jack and he would just dive off the roof of the building onto somebody. And kill a fucking transit worker. I mean, the guy wasn't really a transit worker. It was just his gimmick. And he also didn't die. He died a couple of years later. Well, he was 700 pounds. Of his, name, that was, that was, his name was Mass Transit. It's a reference to his job and his weight. Should have been masturbation. Yeah, that one, no. Um, even though you did not enjoy that last joke, if you enjoyed this week's episode, 
please let us know. Please review, rate, and <laughs> review, rate, and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. Make sure to review, re rate, and resubscribe. Yes, all those things. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow the Patreon at Filter Free Net, and of course, our network at Watch on Premiere. As for us, you can find us on our social media platforms at Dave. At Dave in the RC. Uh oh, he changed it. Timmy C. At Timmy RC. No, uh, at Timmy C. 1979. And I am at T Stevens 91. Next week, we're going to cover NWA WCW from August 29th, 1987. Mike Tyson, really good at boxing. Paul Molitor bunts his way into history. Comic Con turns 20. And so much more. This has been the Filter Free Podcast, and so long for now. Did you guys see that tweet today that I retweeted? Some moron on Twitter said, or X, whatever it's called now, that if LeBron James fought Mike Tyson, he would take LeBron James. Yes, I did see that. What in the actual joke of the week? (laughs) I thought that was your dad joke of the week. That was the joke. Joke of the week. Why didn't the astronaut come home to his wife? Mm. Something something, something honeymoon. He needed space. Swifty. What is this? <laughs>